Hi everyone, I'm Tara Mont, and you're listening to the Trust and Thrive with Tara Mont podcast. I created this podcast along with my blog and brand to hopefully inspire others to live their most authentic life. I truly believe that we all have the power to live a life we love, and to do so, it's so important to be in tune with ourselves and be open to growing and evolving. I believe that once we can trust ourselves and our vision, that's when we can thrive. So with this podcast, I plan to discuss all things to do with self-reflection, personal growth, mindsets, and self-belief, all aspects that affect us in our everyday life. If you feel connected to my message and want to listen more often, I will be sharing one podcast a week, so make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. So I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Lee Mayer, who is the co-founder and CEO of Havenly. In episode 31, we touched on so much to do with business, personal life, finding that work-life balance, and so much more. I really like that Lee touched on the idea of representation and how important representation is because she explains that she didn't think she would be an entrepreneur because she just saw people who look like Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg and what you would expect white male entrepreneurs and businessmen to be at a certain time. So it's really inspiring to see that she didn't limit herself and instead she broke through those chains. So I really enjoyed that episode with Lee. Feel free to check it out after this episode if you haven't already. That is episode 31, Life as a CEO and Finding Work-Life Balance with Lee Mayer. So for this week's episode, we have Bailey Parnell on the show. Bailey Parnell is the founder and CEO of Skills Camp and was named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women. Bailey is an educator, speaker, entrepreneur. Skills Camp is a soft skills training company that works with businesses and educational institutions to help their staff and students develop the essential skills needed for personal and professional success. These include skills like personal branding, stress management, emotional intelligence, and more. Bailey is also a TEDx speaker. Her TEDx talk is Social Media Hurting Your Mental Health has over 1 million views, and that's actually how I found Bailey. I was really interested in watching some more TED Talks, and I was just really inspired and could resonate with her message. And right from the start, she jumped into discussing the effects of social media, how it can affect your mental health. And there's so much we touch on in this episode that I'm so excited for you to hear because I think it's such an important topic that everyone, whether or not you are in the social media world, it will affect you. So overall, Bailey usually speaks about social media and mental health, soft skills, intergenerational understanding, and being a woman in business. Bailey's work has been featured in Forbes, CBC, Fox, Flair Magazine, and much more. She's been finishing up her MA in communications and culture with her research focused on social media's impact on mental health. These results have been shared at the World Youth Forum in Egypt and so much more. And I really do believe that her message is so powerful and important. And I was honestly so honored to have her on the show. So I can't wait for you to hear it. Some topics we discuss include online stressors, which you can hear on her TEDx talk. She discusses more on this as well. These include comparison, social currency, FOMO on what's happening online, online harassment, and much more. We talk about how social media can be harmful and beneficial and how self-awareness and self-confidence outside of social media and having that internally really affects how you do react to social media and what you see online. So I really enjoyed this episode. I was so interested to learn more. And I know I had a solo episode called Social Media Versus Reality. I share a lot personally about what I've learned, understanding the difference in valuing your real life, not just online. But I'm really happy that Bailey was on the show and that she could share her research and more informative facts. So if you would like to hear some of my takeaways from this episode and my thoughts on the different topics we discuss, feel free to stick around until after the interview where I go into more detail. And I will include all the information to Bailey's Instagram and her TEDx talk. I will include all that information in the description of this episode. So make sure to stick around until the end of the episode to hear a wrap up of everything we discussed. So with that said, let's get right into the interview with Bailey Parnell. Hi, Bailey. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. 
Thank you. So can you start off telling listeners a little more about yourself when you started researching on social media and mental health and what exactly it is that you do? Sure, absolutely. So I own a company called Skills Camp, which is a soft skills training company. And we work with a number of businesses, educational institutions, governments, nonprofits to build soft skills in their staff and students. And that can be anything from things like stress management, emotional intelligence, um, empathy to, you know, more job search skills like personal branding or networking or interviewing, that sort of stuff. And the whole other side of my life is dedicated to my research or what has recently become its own business of its own, which is Safe Social and Social Media's impact on mental health. And that started because I was working at Ryerson University before Skills Camp. And I was particularly working in a role that was perfectly fused in what I do now and what I did then, which was social marketing, storytelling, um, helping each of those departments in student affairs, things like career centers, health and wellness departments, co-create and innovate their programming. And it was there, though, also that we ran a brand that was a student life brand, and we were heavily asking students to engage with us on social media. And so we started also thinking then, if we're going to ask students to participate here, we feel we have a responsibility to make sure that they're doing it healthily and happily, and that we're providing those resources as well, just as we did in every other part of the student experience. And so that's where I really started my digital well-being work and research, and that sort of snowballed into the TED Talk, which snowballed into more and more people asking as simple as, oh, hey, you're a social media person, or it's Mental Health Week. Do you want to do a talk on that? And then, of course, snowballing again after the TED Talk into my master's, and here we are today. And I do a lot of workshops and talks with ages everywhere from as young as elementary school to grandparents and even governments about social media's impact on mental health, and particularly the mental health of youth. That's amazing. And that's how I found you. I absolutely loved your TED Talk. Um, is social media hurting your mental health? Yeah, I think it was so great. And right when you started, I know you were just starting with comparison. <laughs> and you're like, you know, this person's on vacation or they're 19 and they've already accomplished this. And I think everyone has experienced that in some way. So I was curious as to whether or not you've experienced that pretty often or did you notice the students you were working with experiencing that? Or is, is that why you were interested and curious to learn more on this topic? When I look into social comparison in both my work and my research, there's this theory that's called social comparison theory, if you're into this sort of stuff. And essentially, the theory is based on the idea that humans compare themselves as a means of understanding their identity and their place. And that's not always a bad thing. So that could mean that, you know, I look around and I know that I'm tall because I look around and everybody else is shorter. Therefore, through the comparison, I identify myself as a tall person. And this happens to everyone and it happens all the time. Very, very normal part of the human experience. We also talk about directional comparison in this theory. So very fundamentally, Um, There's upward, downward, and neutral comparisons. As you can imagine, if you're making an upward comparison, you think about yourself looking up at someone for whatever reason. After you compare yourself, you deemed them above you. A downward comparison would be that after your judgment, you deem them below you. And of course, a neutral comparison would be that after the judgment, you kind of deem yourself on even playing field. So what's happening on social media is that the comparison is normal, except it's hyper-accelerated, hyper-accentuated on social media because you're seeing people's highlight reels. You're seeing the best and brightest of themselves. And, of course, people are really following the people that they look up to. Not a lot of people are following people that they hate or don't want to be like. And so mm-hmm. what's happening is this is like a, a lot of upward comparison, which is potentially more damaging to self-esteem. Now, part of my initial curiosity in this space was that I actually wasn't feeling that insecurity on social and that I wasn't engaging in a lot of upward social comparison. I still don't. I actually still really enjoy social media. And so part of my social, my curiosity at first was, why was I having a good time when all of these people around me, including my students, including all these articles I'm reading, including my own friends, were not having a good time? And so that was part of the initial curiosity. That's so interesting. And 
I really do appreciate your honesty because we've all experienced that in a different way for sure. What is something that really stuck with you? What is one finding maybe that you were really surprised to learn about when it comes to mental health and social media? Well, I just want to say that that doesn't mean that I don't engage in comparison because I have a positive response to it. We all engage in comparison and I do it often. It's just that there are certain skills that I hope that I have offline that I'm trying to build in others that make it so that when that comparison happens, it becomes more of a motivator or inspiration or, um, you know, community connection as opposed to those, those more negative ramifications. Oh, yeah, definitely. I I fully agree because I think we all deal with that comparison at some point. But I think the fact that you have that awareness and you realize that people are posting their highlight reels, it kind of makes it easier to separate yourself from that because you don't you realize you don't know what everyone's going through and that that's not their whole lives. So there's no point in comparing yourself and feeling bad about yourself if you just see someone else's highlight reel. So I completely agree. And everything you just said was was definitely a major theme that came up in my research. It wasn't totally shocking to me, but one thing that came up over and over again was participants identifying a gut reaction to what they were seeing and then justifying that gut reaction with more logical rationale. And unfortunately, that gut reaction of seeing it still had an impact on them, even if they could tell themselves you know, oh, I know that this is edited, or I know that this person has had work done to their body, but yet I still compare. So what I would say was maybe the most pleasant and surprising finding when I first started this research was that it's really less about your online self. So when I first went in, I thought I thought that I would find a more explicit correlation between simply time spent on social media and rising levels of anxiety and depression. But what I actually found was that there was no consistency in the research at all. And some people found, yes, more time on social, this is going to be an issue. Some people found, nope, there's no statistical relevance here. And some people even found the opposite, that time on social media improved the mental health of their participants. So me, yeah, exactly. And to me, What was always uh, consistent, though, in this research was that when there was a mediator introduced, something like I compare myself more or I feel envy more or I feel lonely more, then it was always a bad situation. So what it was saying and what I took it to be saying was that it's actually less about the networks themselves and more about who you are offline going into the networks. And that means things like, are you self-aware? Do you understand you know, when you're stressed and therefore when it's in flux, therefore when you need to stop wasting time. Do you or do you have self-esteem, self-confidence? Because then it will not matter what you see. It doesn't matter where they're traveling. It doesn't matter what kind of bodies you're looking at. You will then feel like you've got your own thing going on or that you're working on making it happen. Do you have time management skills so you don't find yourself an hour later upset that you don't remember what you were looking at? Do you have mindfulness skills? Do you have, um, you know, like resilience so that no matter whatever happens online, you feel like you can bounce back and that it's not going to tear you down. And these are definitely 100% the most important skills. And funny enough, they're not necessarily online skills. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. And I can definitely resonate with that. I did an episode recently, a solo episode on social media versus reality because I have dealt with that too. And I think it's the importance of knowing yourself. And if you're that confident in who you are and what you're doing, that won't matter as much because you realize everyone's doing their own thing. And I definitely agree that if you're unhappy with your life, you're going to find that external, you know, something externally to grab onto and be compare yourself to. You're going to say, oh, well, they're traveling, they're doing this, but we don't, or they have that perfect relationship, but we don't know that they're going to break up tomorrow. Like we'd have no idea what people are going through. And what was always, and what, was kind of came up over and over again in the interviews was that when the participants expressed concern, I guess, over what they were seeing or sort of, you know, feeling bad about what they were seeing, if they had a plan, like if they had um, a way of overcoming what they deemed to be their deficiency, they they actually seemed to be okay. So like, for example, if they thought, you know, I'm looking at this beautiful body and at first I compare, but you know, I went to the gym today, so it doesn't really bother me. 
And if they're actually working towards reaching a goal or maybe they're saving for travel or maybe they're actively trying to work on their artistic skills or whatever it might be, then the comparisons didn't affect them as much because they became more neutral comparisons and less upward because they knew that they were working on making their goals happen. Yes, for sure. And I think it's important to make that separation, make that separation between, you know, the reality, especially with, you know, if we see bloggers and these curated images of them traveling, we think that's their whole life when it's not. Was the research demographic college students? Mm -hmm. It was college students, but it was 18 to 24 year olds in my particular work. But the work that, um, so when you do this you know, like in literature reviews and in all the other research, it was people of all ages. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. I just want to say that it's especially pronounced in teenagers for a number of reasons that could get, that could take up this whole podcast. Teenagers are at a very normal stage of life in terms of um, social psychological development, where you go outside the home to compare yourselves as a means of socialization. It's actually where you go outside the family to start this phase of peer-to-peer comparison. That is very normal. That's been happening as long as we've understood human development, especially human cognitive development. So they're already at this phase of life. They're not going to want to hear this, but their brains are also not fully developed. (laughs) So quite literally, they are not done growing, including, most importantly, their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed, which is responsible for reasonable thought, reasonable, rational rational thought, and for, of course, self-actualization. So they cannot possibly be their most self-actualized self if they are not even physically done growing and they also enter that phase of growth which some people say is as fast as um, as toddlers so you have one that this is a very normal phase of life where you compare but now this comparison is on all the time directly tied to you it doesn't turn off and it's quantified for everyone to see two their brain is not equipped to handle this kind of self self-esteem and and the issues that happens there just the same as offline and maybe even most importantly right now we are at a very particular time of history which I don't think this will be the case in 15 years but we are at a particular time of history where largely parents and educators did not grow up with social media so that means that you have teenagers engaging what is by every measure a risky behavior by every measure there's mass addiction right now and who do you turn to? Because parents want to sometimes want to say things like, get your head out of your phone, or my gosh, kids can never hold a conversation these days, kids these days. And I always think, well, parents these days. Yeah. Because you have this risky behavior like sex or drugs or alcohol, which potentially has farther spread and longer term effects. There's no social supports. There's no talk about safe social. There's, there's none of this yet. There's no policies from governments. We're only just getting there now. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. And that that totally makes sense. And I think especially I imagine with that age group, you're figuring your life out even more, you know, maybe you're heading to college and you have to choose a career and that's the time to that you really compare yourself. Definitely a very big and this is why I wanted to do it with um, university students, because you are at also a phase of life where identity construction is sort of a main developmental task for you. So this is important to me because I wanted to see how it was influencing their sense of self. Mm -hmm. And did you did you actually figure out with through your research how much it affected their identity, how many people feel like their social media accounts or who they are online is who they really are? Well, I'll say that I actually didn't. We didn't go into that too much because it's just a master. So, you know, the sample size is very small and um, we didn't go beyond comparison and envy on on Instagram, Mm -hmm. though the rest of the literature does go beyond that and does suggest that people are putting up more of a curated identity online. But that's not totally surprising. You pick and choose the stuff that you want people to see and create the kind of person you hope that you are. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to just post about your bad days all the time, of course. I know on your TED Talk, you talked about the four stressors of social media, highlight reel, social currency, fear of missing out, and online harassment. Um, What led you to discovering those? I covered four in that short talk. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's amazing. So did you find those four to be specifically uh, important? I'm curious as to how you came up with those. 
Yeah, no, those four are some of the most prevalent. And actually, it's funny because that part of the talk, it's funny because it was two years ago now. And at that point, I felt the conversation was still around what on earth is happening here? What is happening online? And even concepts like social currency and highlight reels, I was still explaining the definition of what these are just so people could put words to their experiences and so those are some of the ones that came up just you know most often in in at the time things like even news stories or anecdotal experience but you could go on forever about the stressors online right you could go on you could add things like seeing traumatic imagery all the time or following negative news what's the impact of that um, but yeah, so definitely seeing people's highlight reels, evoking the comparison, social currency, quantifying your identity, FOMO and that fear of missing out, not just on you know events and stuff, but actually on what's happening online that I'm not a part of. And online harassment, I think, being one of the worst ones, both seeing it and experiencing it. So yes, these, these are still definitely big stressors online. But if you have built the offline soft skills, and this happens um, now fast forward two years later, and I talk about this much more in my five steps towards safe social, but if you have those offline soft skills, I, I know that those stressors will not be stressors for you. Five steps towards safe social. The first one is making sure that we're speaking the same language and making sure that awareness is key of course so that TED talk is still very important because people still watch it and say like oh yes that's exactly the word I was looking for that's exactly what I was feeling and it's really important to give people a language to describe what's happening with them so that's definitely still first step the second step like any other risky behavior such as sex or drugs or alcohol is moderating your consumption so making sure that you're asking questions like am I doing this because I actually like it or because everybody else is doing it am I um, taking breaks is this consuming my life um, and then you moderate consumption by sometimes you might you might have some offline time you might take the alcohol out of the house and deactivate every now and then so on and so forth and step three is building the offline soft skills and that's where your question came in so those offline soft skills if you are working on your self-esteem if you have your own things going on the highlight reels are not going to bother you in fact, you would end up on that other side of that research where I like to think that I end up, which is that social media can actually become an enjoyable place for you, where you get inspiration and motivation and maybe you follow funny accounts that make you laugh. Maybe you follow friends and you they're across the world and it actually brings you joy to see what they're doing in their life. So it can be a positive experience as well if and only if you've built those skills offline. Mm-hmm. I completely agree because I think oftentimes social media is looked in a negative light, but I think it really depends on where you are at mentally. And I think it's important to realize that separation. And so what advice would you give to someone, say, maybe their business is online or they have to be online for a certain reason and maybe they can't deactivate their account or take that break? And I mean, at the end of the day, they could, but it would really affect them. What are some other tools they could take? Right. So it's funny because I, I do get this question a lot. And, you know, for one, most people are not online influencers. They're probably a very interesting case because they're theoretically their authentic self is their business. So they're, they're in a class of their own, which we can talk about, but even still, the influencers, or I'd say I want to say the healthiest influencers that I've worked with and just are friends with, really, having worked in this space for so long, they still treat their work like work. And this is a very important distinction because if you are treating your work like an extension of yourself, it's going to become difficult. You're going to become what we call a workaholic. And that is that is not healthy for people because people desire balance most of the time. So I, I suggest that if social media is part of your job, which it is for a lot of people, to treat it like a job and treat it like I do it during these times. I check during these times. I post for some people, it's like, oh, I have to do marketing for my business. It's not my personality, but it's marketing for my business. Okay, great. Marketing is a business function. That will require some time for throughout the week. But if you don't want to be it, be on it. Besides that, then don't. If you do, great. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also realizing that it doesn't define you, especially a lot of people, their business is their brand. It's, it's who they are. And I've seen, you know, people who are 
well-known because they're a couple or they're with someone and then they break up and their whole business is ruined or they feel like they have to live up to a specific image just to be accepted you know it's really it's really a struggle I feel like for a lot of people influencers are like uh, sort of con- big content creators and especially on Instagram are an interesting case of their own because but then again like I just said the, the most confident and, and I'd say healthiest ones that I've met are the ones that are actually just doing their thing and it's worked out. Because then when they get hate, it doesn't really phase them. Yeah, it's also going into that space, realizing that it's going to happen. Like you said, online harassment, it's unfortunate, but it's separating yourself and having that those offline soft skills and realizing who you are offline and in reality and that that doesn't define you. Because a main piece of safe social is kind of where it came about and where it came about in that TED talk was if abstinence from these networks is no longer an option, because even if you do decide to not have an account, social media informs everything right now, news, like whatever you're looking at. So even if abstinence is not an option, how do we practice safe social? Kind of similar to safe sex talks. We're not going to make this, you know, we're not getting rid of Facebook anytime soon. So how do we prepare young people especially for, you know what, here's what's definitely going to happen here. Now here's how you can prepare and be safe. Kind of the same way as, you know, you're going to go to high school and sometimes people might offer you a drink. So how do we want to handle that? Like this is the kind of conversation we need to have early. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there needs to be classes. There need to be classes in school about it, especially now since it's so common. I was lucky too. I'm only 24, but I didn't even have an iPhone or social media in until later in high school. So I'm glad my middle school days, I didn't have to experience that. Your research, did you focus on Instagram? What platform specifically did you focus on or just overall in general social media? Yeah. So in my academic research, because there's kind of two sides to it, I mentioned that it was actually professional research that led to me doing the master's. And that was just because like if I was going to do the research anyways, I may as well get a degree out of it. (laughs) I was actually working at Ryerson University before I went there as a master's student. So in the professional research, we focused on um, like all ages that must have been 18 plus because they would have had to have been students at Ryerson. And then we focused on all, um, all platforms at the time. Well, mainly the big four. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, And at that time, we had asked them about how often they use it, what kind of things they like to see on there. We even asked them what they like most and least about each network. And then in my particular study through the the academic study, that was particularly focused on Instagram because a lot of the research out there, and maybe this is just due to how long it takes to do things like a doctorate or whatever, a lot of it was focused on Facebook, which I didn't, which I know for sure now is not the the most important network, the most popular, or even the favorite of anyone 25 and under. Yeah, okay, that's that's really interesting. Because I think every platform is very different. You know, people joke about Facebook, that's where your family and the more serious stuff. And then Twitter, you kind of joke around with your thoughts. And then Instagram is just kind of who you want to be. So it's interesting to see how we all short personalities and maybe different versions of our authentic self, whether it is or not. Yeah, so this whole show is about living your most authentic life and being true to yourself. And I think it's easy to get confused sometimes if you don't know yourself too well, if who you're portraying is who you are or who you want to be. And like I said, with comparison, sometimes it's hard to tell, is this what I believe? Is this who I want to be? Or is this what I just see online? Because you choose who you follow and that ends up being adding up. That ends up being what you know. Exactly. And and so when you frame it the way you just did, it becomes completely unsurprising that teenagers are having the toughest time because who on earth was the most confident self as a teenager? Nobody. And again, we're at, we're at the particular time of history where when adults, when parents and educators and even, you know, policymakers got online, they were already self-actualized adults. They were already more confident because they already knew that I don't care about following people I don't like. They were already past that point of life. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to compare in the same way that if you're an 18-year-old and you see you know, those influencers who are millionaires, by the time they're 20, you wonder why that's not you. Maybe you feel behind or you feel like you're not good enough. It's really interesting. So I'm curious as to what living your most authentic life means to you? 
I think, you know, the real sort of basic definition of authenticity as I read it is being, is demonstrating who you, who you really are, but, um, and not trying to put up some fake or mediated version of yourself, but I can't say that so freely. I don't like to make grand statements like, you know, just be like, I would never make that statement. Just be your authentic self. I think Mm -hmm. like, that only comes if you've had the you know the privilege and the like just to be self-confident really so what I would likely say is actually really really need to build out your self-confidence and self-esteem and only then can you potentially be your most authentic self yeah definitely no I appreciate that that's that's very true and I also really appreciate the fact that your whole message, even though it's safe social, it's not just simply social media is bad and you should delete it and not have anything to do with it. Because of course, there's so many amazing parts of social media. You can grow your business, promote yourself, meet people. There's so many amazing parts to it. Yeah, we didn't even get into the whole other side of it, which is like we're just talking about the positive um, the positive situations in relationship to the self. But like you just mentioned, like, oh my gosh, you can you can market businesses have things that didn't even exist before see parts of the world you could never see before and I when I was speaking at the world youth forum about this topic I they they specifically tried to make the the forum and there was about 12 people on the panel um you know have different sides of the coin and I met someone who was working for the bone marrow registry in the U.S. and they said that with The registry, which is literally saving lives, was on a downswing until social media. And they've been able to successfully recruit people to the bone marrow registry of the United States through social media. It's literally saving lives. So there's that kind of it as well that I love. It's, it's honestly amazing. And that's why I really appreciate it. I would not have been able to just simply reach out to you, see your TEDx talk. So it's incredible. So before you really step into social media, if you're not in that, if you don't have that confidence, do you think that's something you should put away? Or do you think it's okay to kind of have social media and still figure yourself out? I think that it's a, if you know that you are not a self-confident person, you need to be extra vigilant mm-hmm. with your intake of this drug. So quite similar to other risky behaviors, actually, quite similar to something like, um, let's say, for example, safe sex, like we were saying earlier, if or even drinking or peer pressure or things like this, when you're talking to someone, you would say, you know, you you are allowed to say no. You would say this stuff. You would say, don't feel weird for, don't feel pressure. Um, if you're not that confident a person, and you might be more likely to, to accept, um, we're getting into dicey conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you might be more willing to accept less than you think you deserve because maybe you don't believe that it's going to come along again. And with social media, you need to be sort of extra vigilant with your self-awareness and and really ask yourself questions like, do I like this post? That was another thing that came up with my participants. When we did an observation and I made them go through their feeds and I would stop them and I would make them answer questions like, wait, why did you like that? And they're like, oh, because I felt like I had to. <laughs> wait who is this person oh I don't really know sometimes I would say this person doesn't I don't know them and sometimes they would say this person doesn't like me questions that you really have to answer as you're going through your feed it's not a lost cause of course you know if you're not a confident person there are ways to build your self-esteem offline as well and that's the most important part is maybe writing makes you feel good maybe um, you're really good at I don't know painting maybe you're good at word- woodworking who knows what it is for you that I can't tell you that but that's why it takes um, self um, self-awareness work and even thinking about things like your strengths and your values and there's lots of free tests online as a good place to start yeah 100 percent. and I think the problem is that many people go into they start their social media accounts and then they expect validation from that and so I'm curious did you Um, touch on the idea of validation on your research and how even just like I didn't get this many likes this time or you know you're getting validation online so that when it stops maybe you feel like you're not good enough so did you touch on that topic well I didn't um, this isn't this was not well this wasn't the crux of my research but I in terms of looking into other people's research I know enough about it 
which is what I call essentially that social currency, actually. I just gave a name to it, being that the likes, the shares, the comments have become that currency by which we attribute value to something. But if you really wanted to go deep into this area, you could explore sort of a Marxist critique about this and how everything has become quantified to be useful and even and and sort of like capitalist in a way. And that's what we've done to the self here is you have these these folks looking at their numbers saying like, I am only good if this sells. And if it doesn't sell, that must be a reflection of my value, which is kind of messed up if you really think about it. Like that's really messed up. You have people who have, you know, kind of a thousand friends and a good offline community, but their photo doesn't get enough likes and they take it down. That is one thing that you stop doing when you've built that confidence in my opinion. I'm not perfect by any means, but I, I like to think and, and I'm very grateful that I have a healthy amount of confidence. And if I put up a photo and it doesn't do numbers, I don't even know what my numbers are. Like I'm definitely nowhere near an influencer or like even that popular online, but if it doesn't do that well. I just think, you know, I put it up there because I need, I want this story to be told. Like I'm going to yeah. come back. It. it's gonna like collect my photos someone scrolling through will read this so I put it out there for a reason like for work or to express my thoughts or whatever so it doesn't get a lot of likes it's like all right whatever yeah and you're still helping people you know like even the amount of people that have listened to your TED talk people who need to hear it will hear it and that's I think that's all that matters at the end of the day and yeah so if you could give advice to someone who may be struggling to have that healthy relationship what advice would you give to them Well, my advice for people who right now do not have a healthy relationship with social media would be to start moderating your consumption, similar to other risky behaviors. And if you look this up online, I have questions, I have blogs that I've written about it, and even in my YouTube channel, because we won't have time to go through every single one right now, but it's, it's, like I said before, asking yourself questions like, wait, am I drinking this? Am I consuming this because I actually like it or just because everybody else was doing it? Or am I, does this actually suck? Like, why am I following this? Did I actually like what I just saw? Is this consuming my life? And if the, if you don't like the answers, if you don't, and in the TED talk, I called this auditing your social media diet. But if you don't like the answers, then moderating consumption means having the discipline to do things like, okay, I'm no longer going on Instagram after 8 p.m. Like whatever it is for you, you have to decide what works for you because for me, it might not be an issue. So you do have to moderate consumption. And I would say find, build those offline skills is absolutely the most important, 100%. So um, self-awareness you can do alone, though you can also do it in communities. There's lots of communities online. You can start making this social media work for you by even if you just search, let's say, for example, you right now on this podcast would be considered a woman in business. And maybe you go search women in business communities and maybe you find your people there and you start expressing in private Facebook groups what you're dealing with and you'll actually find a really huge support network. And then suddenly this tool that was hurting you is now helping you. And I think overall, the whole message is really about personally what I'm taking away is that you really need to have a self-awareness and know your value and your worth offline before you even go into the online world. And I think that's so important. This is really not a new thing. Nothing that's happening here is surprising. It's just amplified. For example, when I was growing up, and maybe for you too, we our big thing was MSN. Yeah, <laughs> or AOL. Oh my gosh, the kind of stuff we would do on MSN was like insane. We would go over to each other's houses and spend seven hours on MSN talking to other people. We would go offline and online so someone could see that we were on. We would go like go to the rich kids' house that had the webcam. So like so we would um do that stuff. And then I told my mom that she's like, oh she says basically lol, because she used to do that too. And for her it was the telephone, and they'd be on the phone for eight hours talking to their friends, and they were obsessed, and they would call people and hang up so they knew that they called. Like <laughs> like this stuff is not new. So yes, building that offline self would help no matter what. And that's and I I'm glad that you've taken that away because what like I mentioned when I first started the the academic side of things I thought is this going to connect to skills camp which I mentioned is my soft skills training company and it was just sort of a 
poetic, happy coincidence of life that the answer to the problem was something I was already building. Yeah, 100%. And I think like you said, that's so true. It's not new. And even offline, it's the same as social currency with likes. But when it's on offline, it's well, how praised have you been for all your good grades? So it's just finding that external validation in any form and social media is just a new new way of doing so. And it's finding yourself and knowing yourself. That's important. Yeah, what we call, and when I do self-awareness workshops with, um, with Skills Camp or through Skills Camp with companies and whatnot, we actually do, one of the main things we cover at first is my motivators. And is it internal or external? And how do you identify your motivators? Because even though we're taught to chase external or extrinsic motivators in our life, things like get a good grade, get that degree, get that performance report, get that whatever might be, that bonus, um, it's actually internal and intrinsic motivators that are way more tied to life satisfaction and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so true. Thank you so much for all this incredible insight. And I'm really curious, though, before we finish, if you could give a little more information on Skills Camp. Sure. Yeah, so Skills Camp is a soft skills training company. And those soft skills, sometimes people don't know what they are, and that's fine. It's the skills that usually characterize our relationships with ourselves and others, or what you might call personality traits, or human skills or life skills or essential skills, this kind of stuff. So it's it's funny because when I ask people, you know, how do you want to be described, they usually give me soft skills. They usually say things like, oh, I want to be hardworking. I want to be trustworthy. I want to be adaptable. And all of these are, are soft skills. And so they can be taught. That's one myth that I hear as well. And sure, someone might be more naturally resilient person because they've had to thrive through difficulties in their life or someone might be a more natural leader because of their particular nature and nurture but you can absolutely teach strategies to make someone better you know you're not going to walk out of a two-hour workshop on public speaking suddenly obama but you're going to learn strategies that you can then take with you to then go become better and you will practice those strategies but um, so, yeah, we work with a lot of people. People come to us with their problems or they come maybe in their organizations or they come to us with um, goals that they want to reach or just development opportunities. And we work with them to develop a always custom learning and development program. We are not open to the public yet, though, so we don't have, unfortunately, um, courses that you know, any, any person off the street could sign up for. However, if they have, you know, an organization or um, I, a workplace that has HR and is looking to do these kind of workshops, then we'd be happy to partner. Amazing. Thank you. And I will include all your information in the description of this episode and the link to your TEDx talk because it's amazing. And I know a lot of people will take something away from it. Maybe let people know what's coming up next for you and for Skills Camp and with your research maybe and where can listeners follow you? Sure. So next for Skills Camp is I'm just continuing to grow this and work with more and more companies and more and more higher ed institutions and organizations to make soft skills more a part of development from a young age. If we succeed, we actually don't exist anymore because this will be in the education system. This will be built into HR. And on the other side of my uh, my life is, of course, Safe Social. And that's just actually recently been incorporated because it's very big now and it's taking up a lot of time warranting its own business. So that I think I'm going to start developing out um, kind of those five steps for safe social, but targeted towards the responsible parties of people like parents, educators, governments, the self, and offering more resources. Because, you know, after you do a one, one hour talk and or listen to a podcast like this, people may say, oh, this is great. I'm so glad I learned that. Okay, now what? How do I go? How do mm-hmm. I go fix this? And so I want to be able to offer that. So I'm just at the very infancy stage of putting together the framework for what's already sort of naturally developed. Of course, I guess the main thing you asked was, you can follow that along. And my own social will have everything that's at Bailey Parnell on everything and at Skills Camp HQ or hashtag safe social, all those places you'll find me. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Bailey, for being here and for all the incredible insight you've shared. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks for reaching out. I'm glad that we got a chance to do this. Of course. Thank you.
So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Bailey. That was honestly one of my favorite episodes just because with this podcast and what I'm doing, I've had so many moments where I've struggled with comparison or FOMO and I can resonate with these online stressors that Bailey touched on. So I wanted to discuss some of my takeaways, some parts of the discussion that really stuck with me. So I think one thing that overall I took away from this is that we need to have self-awareness and self-confidence and self-esteem outside of social media. I think so many people go online and expect to be validated by numbers, by likes, by DMs, by whatever it is. Some people expect to just be validated by that and that that defines their worth, which is so false. Because for example, I don't get so many likes. Like I don't have a lot of followers. I had more maybe when I actually posted more fitness related content because I was originally a fitness and wellness account and and my gym selfies definitely got more likes, but it's not what I wanted to do long term and not what I wanted to focus on. So I may have less likes or less followers or whatever it is than say by doing that, but I need to stay true to myself because that doesn't define me. And that means more to me having that authentic connection. And she also says, if you have your own thing going on, if you're confident in your own life outside of social media, then the highlight reel that we see online, the highlight reel of other people's lives should not bother us. I think when we compare ourselves, it's when we're really unhappy with who we are. And I've had those moments when I felt like I'm not doing that well in my business or my life or whatever it is, I would compare myself to these businesswomen I saw online or to these people who are thriving and traveling and doing all these fun things that I thought, how am I going to get there? When am I going to get there? Everyone's journey is so different. And you see so many people you know who may post the best, perfect Instagram posts, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, but you know them, maybe you know them personally and you know they're going through a really hard time. Maybe they're unhappy in their lives right now. Maybe they're unhappy in their job or their relationship or some part of their lives if you step back and you didn't know them personally you would never think that you would never know so with bailey we discussed how if you have your own thing going on if you're confident in yourself and you have that self-awareness and you can make that differentiation between social media and what is real then if anything social media will be a source of inspiration and motivation and there's so many positives that come with social media growing your business connecting with amazing individuals i would never have been able to connect with bailey i saw her ted talk and i loved it and i reached out to her and she was so kind enough to be on the show that makes me so happy without social media that wouldn't be as easy so it's about finding a healthy relationship with social media and building those offline soft skills those offline skills of knowing yourself being self-aware And thinking about it, sometimes we're just on social media, we don't even reflect. Bailey even says that in the interview, which is so true. Am I liking this post because I actually like it or because everyone else is doing it? And I personally, I don't just like posts to like posts. I like posts that I genuinely like and I want to support these people. It's interesting because we often don't think about that. You know, we kind of autopilot. We zone out. It's like a drug. It's so addicting. So it's finding that healthy balance. I'm on my phone so often because I'm working from my phone. Even if I'm on Instagram for so long, it's because I may be finding more guests or I'm finding more people or I'm finding more inspiration. Bailey says it too. If you have an online company or whatever you're doing, if you have to be online for your business or your company or your work, or you just, it's something that you're passionate about, it's making sure that you separate yourself from your work. And that's something I've had to do over time. And I still struggle with often for sure is disconnecting myself from my work. I am not defined by whatever I post online. I may post a picture and a caption that no one will like, and that's happened before. It's happened many times thinking, oh, I love this quote or I love this, but no one liked it, got no attention. And that's fine because at the end of the day, I'm I'm not doing this because I need validation. I'm doing it because I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about what I have to share. And if one person takes something away from it, that means the world to me. And either way, I would be doing this. So But I struggle with that sometimes because I think, oh, I'm not making progress because I don't see these numbers or this and that. It's about finding that self-awareness, that confidence and saying that I am not defined by my work. I'm not defined by what I post. I'm not defined by a number, by likes. My validation doesn't come from what I post online. And we discussed this, you know, Bailey says this isn't new. It's not new. It was MSN. It was AOL. And before it's just, you know, I'm validated by my grades. (laughs) where I go to school, a lot of people find external motivators to keep them going. But at the end of the day, even Bailey says this, that internal motivators are tied to life satisfaction and self-esteem. 
internal motivators. So I think it's easy to get caught up with social media. It's easy to get caught up with what we see online with comparison. Limit yourself. If you feel like you have an unhealthy relationship, like Bailey said, limit yourself. Go find those hobbies. Go explore. Find yourself in different ways that don't have to do with social media. And if you're working online and you're doing something that you have to post often and you have to be online, remember that's your work and you are you. You are not defined by what you post. And I've had those moments. I wanted to just delete my Instagram account for a while, not really go online and just do my own thing in in quotes real life. But I also want to grow my business and my brand and be consistent. So I've had those moments where I've had to remind myself I'm not defined by this. This is just what I'm doing because I enjoy doing it and I'm passionate about it. But this isn't me. I'm not defined by getting more likes this time or getting less likes. I can be happy for other people. I can respect, okay, they want to get a lot of work done or edit their pictures or whatever. That's fine, but that's not me. I don't have to do that to feel good about myself. It doesn't make me less worthy if I don't live up to that image that's portrayed. So I really enjoyed this episode. It was honestly very great for me to hear. I took so much away from it because I could really relate. And I was just so happy to have Bailey share her research and her findings. I hope you could take something away from it and really reflect on your self-confidence and self-awareness outside of social media, your offline soft skills, and reflect on whether or not you do have a healthy relationship with it. So if you would like to connect with Bailey and hear her TED Talk, which I really loved, I will leave the information in the description of this episode so you can check it out there. And if you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can at tara.mont or the Instagram for this podcast at Trust and Thrive. And if you would like to leave a review or rating, it would mean the absolute world. It would mean so much. It takes only a few minutes and I'm so thankful. I've read them all. I'm so thankful for anyone who has left a review. I really appreciate any feedback and I'm just so thankful. Whether or not you're on a summer break or you're on the grind, you're working hard at work or on your business, whatever it is, or you're with your family or you're just trying to work on yourself. I hope you know you're so loved, you're so supported, and and you're doing great. I may not know you, but I know you're freaking doing great. If you're listening to this, you're clearly curious, you clearly want to learn more, you want to grow. So that alone says a lot. And I hope you know that and you realize that and you pat yourself on the back because you deserve it. So with that said, I hope you have a lovely rest of your June and I will catch you all next Thrive Thursday.